Hi, welcome to Voice America and Interrevolutionary Radio. Today's co-hosts are Todd Benton, Helen Hillix, and our host is Chris Reese. And thank you so much for joining us. Today, our show is called Creativity is a Way of Life, Breaking the Habit of Habit. On June 17th and 18th of this year, 2017, the interrevolution.org sponsored a retreat where Beth Green totally blew open our definition of creativity, and man, was it so fun. What is the new definition of creativity? Did everyone develop new artistic talents, or did they truly embrace creativity as a lifestyle? Have you wondered how to be more creative in your life? Can we learn to break old habits and respond to life in a more fluid and open way, letting go of tradition and being truly open to new solutions or processes? It's a lot harder than it sounds, but it's so much fun. Join today as co-hosts Chris Reese, Todd Benton, and Helen Hillix as they interview interrevolutionary participants. Listen in as participants from the workshop share their experiences at the retreat and their aha moments. We are sure that you will relate and will be inspired in your own life. Join us for a lively and deep exploration of how we live and how much we can do to make our experience of living more fun, more effective, more connected, and more creative. So take it away, Chris, with the news. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much, Helen. It's really, really, really great to be together today. I miss you when we're not all together, so I'm happy to be here. Me the too. First- Yay, Todd's here too. We got a party. We got a party going on. Um, so the first, the first news item I think is really transformational. Facebook, which is obviously a multi-billion dollar organization and has its reach around the world, has changed its mission statement. It first started out with an intent to make the world more open and connected. And it was almost a quaint euphemism for the company's more capitalistic goals of vacuuming up the attention of billions of humans and selling boatloads of advertising. And, you know, that mission statement really no longer cuts it. Um, Facebook has been under a lot of heat for allowing fake news to proliferate and um, creating bubbles. So... uh, seems that Zuckerberg and his executive team have taken it to heart and they've come out with a new mission statement, which is to give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. Now, those are nice words, but what does it actually mean? And here's the really cool thing that they've done. They've launched a feature in Facebook that allows community groups to create their own um, pages and they've actually... They did a conference recently in Chicago where they invited people to come in and they're training people how to do it. And they're training people within Facebook how to help support this to happen. So, for example, some of the first groups that have been created here are Mormon mothers who are seeking support for their gay children. Uh, Isn't that mind-blowing? Like, that's what we want to see in the inner revolution. We want to see these amazing tools like Facebook that do connect billions of people being used for good, you know, to help promote oneness and accountability and mutual support instead of just, you know, sending around the next thing that's down on Trump or down on Clinton or whatever it might be. So we're really excited about that. And we hope that um, Zuckerberg and Facebook really do 
um, uh, stand by their word and do more than just make money on advertising. They actually put an investment of time and energy into building community and using their platform for some really positive change. That's amazing and so good to hear. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice shift. Um, the next, the next piece of news also makes me really happy. We're seeing that the number of multiracial, multi-ethnic babies has tripled over the past 35 years. So, in a recent study done by Pew Research, since 1980, the number of multiracial infants has grown by 14 percent. And they may not sound like a huge number, but it actually is quite significant because the growth coincides with the rise of interracial marriages, which has more than doubled in that time as well. And, you know, of course, we know that just the fact that there are multiracial babies being born, it doesn't mean that it's going to change our society. But we also know that people are comfortable with what they see and what they grow up with. And so I'm in my mid-50s. I grew up in Phoenix and pretty much a white area with mostly white people. And I see my son now growing up where we live in Southern California, the San Diego area. And he's growing up around kids of all ethnicities. He doesn't he even have a story in his head about multiracial anything. Like, it doesn't cross his mind, his mind as something that's different or unusual. So it may take a few more generations for um, things to change uh, dramatically. But I think when we're living in a world and we're comfortable seeing others who don't necessarily look exactly like us, then we open our hearts and our minds to other ideas and other perspectives. And we don't start out by being biased. Todd's family is multiracial as a fact. Do you want to say anything about that, Todd? (laughs) Well, um, yes, we are. (laughs) My wife's half Japanese. So um, it's really cool to have kids that are, that have that uh, awareness, you know, that they're part, they're a quarter Japanese, but to have that multicultural um, awareness, uh, I think, makes them more just um, understanding mm-hmm. of, you know, their, that they're, I mean, they sure don't look Japanese. <laughs> they don't, but their mom does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's a good thing because I think it, I don't know, uh, I think they're raised in a different era than uh, at least I was, you know, my dad was constantly berating people from other cultures. So I grew up with that kind of filter, although I didn't accept that myself. I thought that was wrong, what he was doing. But our kids just, they don't, they, they, I mean, at least as far as I can tell, they don't see that. They don't relate that way, that there's something different about people that are different colors or look different or have different faiths or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. It's been funny um, for Christine sometimes, this is Todd's wife, to, it looks like she's with children that aren't her children because she's not, um, she's not 100% Caucasian. <laughs> right. <laughs> she I definitely have, looks of, of another culture of some sort. It's hard for people to figure out. Sometimes they think she's Hispanic. You know, you just, you don't know. Yeah, but they, your kids have not had the experience she had where she was actually very shunned and her, her parents felt very shunned in the community that they lived in. Yeah. You know, one of these days we are all going to look alike. Yeah. One of these days, you know, interracial, I mean, there won't even be such a thing. It'll just be everybody's brown. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what a relief that's going to be. I mean, if we make it. 
(laughs) If we make it as a species, you know, there will be no such thing someday. Yeah, or maybe we'll be different shades of brown and yellow and, you know, off-white. You know, Helen, you and I are so pale, (laughs) it's hard to see our gene pool morphing that much. But if we we just see each other as people, you know, when we don't see the color of our skin first, um, I look forward to that day for sure. Yeah. So the next story is also really cool. We all know that the Trump administration has pulled out of the Paris Climate Agreement, and, and that's you know, create a lot of um, angst, especially for those of us who feel that um, the Trump administration is the end of the world as we know it. And it might be, but what we've also seen is that different city and state governments have stepped up. And regardless of what the Trump administration does, they're still committed to it. Fast Company just published an article where the Bloomberg new energy finance chairman said, Basically, solar and power aren't alternative forms of power anymore. They're mainstream and they're coming to the fore just as we need them the most. Right now, the cost of electricity from solar PV has fallen so much that solar power is already as cheap as coal-derived electricity in Germany, Australia, the U.S., Spain, and Italy. By the beginning of next decade, yeah, by the beginning of the next decade, which is two and a half years, my friends, It'll be cheaper than coal and China and India as well. So, you know, we're on a course and humanity and industry have lined this way that we're on the course to be supported by solar and wind. And um, I'm very happy about that, of course, for the environment. And I do hope that as a society, um, treating each other and understanding that we are one we can find ways to take care of the people whose lives and, and jobs are displaced by the shift in industry. Well, that's good news. There's always good news on the Interrevolutionary Radio. Whenever you're despairing, just listen to us. We'll bring you some good news. And sometimes that's mighty hard to find. <laughs> yeah. So let's turn now to our weekend. Um, Todd and Helen and I were all at this retreat this weekend and... Um, just to give everyone a little bit of background, we were up in Oregon. We were on the Mackenzie River, so it was amazing. It was breathtaking. The The energy, the chi was at, at an amazingly high level. And it was warm. It was warm. It wasn't raining. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we had people gathered there at the Mackenzie River in the home of our founder, Beth Green, which is a beautiful home right on the river. And also people participating uh, from different parts of the country remotely via Zoom. So it was really cool. We had we had this both in-person intimate experience and then the, the opportunity to be intimate also with those on screen. And I'll just give my perspective and then I'll turn it over to Todd and Helen because I think it'd be fun for the audience to hear, hear what it was like when we started and then give you an idea of what it was like by the end of it. Um, when we started, there was, eh, I don't know, a little bit of grumpiness. I mean, people were happy and excited to see each other, but there was this kind of a sense, of, a little sense of anxiety about what are we going to do? And this happens frequently when our ego is confronted. We know that to break out of our habits, we have to confront our ego and to be more creative about the way we approach life. We have to break out of our ego story of this is what I should do to survive, you know? 
So um, there was there was a little bit of tension leading up to it, um, but it was kind of a giddiness also. So with that, I'll turn it over to Todd and Helen to share their thoughts at the beginning. Well, I want to follow up on what you were just saying about the ego. You know, I think that one of the things that I'm most aware of about myself is that my ego feels entitled to react in certain ways. And that how does that relate to creativity? Well, if I'm not good at it, I don't want to do it, number one, which keeps me from being creative in all kinds of areas that I could learn to be more creative and put more energy into. And the other aspect is, that I feel entitled to be grumpy or to be reactive or to be opinionated or to be judgmental uh, instead of taking on the situation and thinking, wow, this is a complete new opportunity for me to be creative. I wonder how I can respond in a different way than I have historically. And that is like the farthest thing in the world from my ego's mind in terms <laughs> of, you know, in terms of my ability to respond to life in a fluid and open and creative way. And so I think that's how my ego was being triggered as I went into the workshop was, what am I going to be asked to change now that I'm not going to want to do? <laughs> <laughs> even so though that, even though all the change we've done up until this point has has benefited us we we just don't want to change anymore we've changed it up it's amazing i mean it, it's absolutely amazing we are so unbelievably resistant to change no matter how wonderful change has been um but i know i'm not the only one so um that's my take on the beginning of the workshop and i also felt the excitement as you said uh, Chris, because the the environment is just amazing up there. That the the landscape is so full of chi, with the rushing river and the cold, crisp, clear water, and the mountains and the thick evergreen forest, and it's just a, an unbelievable chi-filled environment. So you can't help but also pick that up. And the ego is no match for that amazing chi. So. Uh, it, it, it's really quite an exciting time, even w- along with the resistance that we bring. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Todd? How did you feel at the beginning? I felt um, uh, I felt a little nervous also. <laughs> like, you know, uh, I, I noticed my ego wanting to go, okay, well, I brought my guitar and let's see what I can show people. Even though I knew the topic was, you know, creativity as a way of life and it wasn't really about uh creativity with music or art or you know that it was going to be something broader and more um deeper and with more depth than just i'm not that playing guitar doesn't have depth to it but i was definitely caught up early in the um like proving myself and showing like oh i did it i can play the guitar (laughs) yeah I can do it. I can, I can do shine. It. I'll show. Them. Right. I, I'm creative. I'll show them. Right. Yeah. Um, we're going to have people calling in soon, but we can start to share now a little bit about our transformational experiences. Um, I am very involved in our group, and yet leading up to the um, leading up to the retreat. I felt like maybe I shouldn't go. That work was too important and I would just be too tired if I 
um, traveled. Um, there were a couple long travel days, and I couldn't take much time off work. And so, you know, I, I got a lot of support from my um, my counselor and our group to really look at why would I think that I don't need to go? And no one was saying you should go, so there wasn't pressure. Yet there was this question of why would I avoid this amazing opportunity? And, you know, I didn't really know, but I, I got there anyway. But um, it was lurking in the back of my mind that something was was blocking me and I didn't know exactly what it was. And then during the workshop, um, Beth Green, who was our facilitator, helped channel that I was feeling just totally overwhelmed with the demands of my job and um, family and um, the nonprofit that I'm a part of. And I feel like everyone is constantly saying, you know, Chris, we need you. We need you now, 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 you, 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 now, now, now. And I know that many, many, many people experience this in their life and that it's certainly not unique to me. And you know, whether you're working full-time or you're a full-time student, you know, whatever's going on in your life, so often we just feel like, how do I know what I'm supposed to do next? And I feel like everyone is demanding things of me. And what I saw, I, I, I actually ended up like really getting very deeply in touch with the pain. What I saw that what I was doing was abandoning my self-care and that I couldn't even find my voice like to say to my family of origin, I want you to just actually care about me sometime. I would like you to ask about what I'm doing sometime instead of always feeling like I have to be the dutiful, you know, daughter or the dutiful sister. And at work, I needed to sometimes just say no. Like if I don't go and regenerate right now, I've got nothing more to give. I'm, I'm, I'm on a salary job, so I don't work a set time frame. And I, I work a lot of hours sometimes. But there are times I just need to say no. Like I, I don't have anything to give and I need to regenerate. And there are times I need to say to my family, you know what, guys, you can figure it out. You know, you do <laughs> not need me to come in here and solve the problem. And I need to step out of the role. And this is a really important piece, I think, for many of us. Step out of the role that my ego is so comfortable with creating that this idea that, oh, you know, they need me. Like the team at work, they need me to help solve the problem. Or my husband needs me to fix the issue with my child or whatever the case may be. And I was able to break out of it and really get in touch with my need to just say no. And I need to be here at this retreat because I need to regenerate. So that's that's experience I've had. We've got a caller on hold, Rose in California. We're going to go to Rose, and then Todd and Helen will also jump in and share. I want to say something about what you just shared first, Chris, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I just want to say that that is such a perfect example of living creatively. Now, it may not sound that creative to say no, <laughs> but in certain circumstances, if you are historically in this pattern of, uh, you know, being the people pleaser and always thinking that it's your responsibility to keep everyone happy, saying no may be extremely creative in your life. And I think that you, your willingness to challenge your work and your family and, you know, have your teenage son say, oh, my God, I'm having such a challenge. You know, I'm really, really being sacrificed here to not have <laughs> Internet for a few hours. Um, 
you know, and for you to just laugh about it and say, that's too bad, you know, that's living creatively. And I just want to say that because I think it speaks to the whole weekend's focus of living life in a different way and how it, you know, it doesn't sound necessarily creative, but that was really creative. So take it away, Rose. I agree with you, Helen. One of the magical things about the weekend was seeing all the different applications of living life creatively. And um, I was part of a group of people who looked at how we habitually respond to criticism. And, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. Um, and I, I can tell you one of the criticisms I might have is just to judge, oh, this isn't creative. So what you said was perfect about that. Um, our group, uh, like I think all the groups, got the opportunity to see live and in the moment our reactivity things, um, our, our habitual ways of being, and were able to look at them in such wonderfully fun ways. And when we were given the task to be different about your reaction to criticism, that's all our, our uh, job was. <laughs> we came back from our time apart doing our group, and we we didn't do it differently. We, you know, we had explored it in the way that we did, but we didn't actually do anything creative. And I thought, wow, I'm not upset. That was different right there, that I didn't get upset with myself for, quote, unquote, getting it wrong. So that was day one. Very creative, um, they, Rose. I, right? <laughs> that I could see that and that I could be happy about it and um, move forward. It was fun, just wonderful. Just a whole new me right there. Um, day two was, you know, even more exciting because, you know, seeing myself now freed up from some of that habitual way, we moved into an exercise where we um, all took on different creative projects that we were going to do and our group took on making a music video and in less than four hours we (laughs) a group of five people uh, took it on and our lyrics reflected what it was like to be reactive through being aware of that and then through to um, being open to the source and the support of letting it all go and letting the energy of she come in and flowing with you know going forward. It was really fun, really beautiful, and I mean, I can't say enough about it. It was just fantastic. And how, you know, how, I know you, you took a song and you rewrote the lyrics, you know, that was the key thing about it, and then you acted it out for the video, and right. it was hysterically funny, <laughs> but very powerful at the same time, and I think that's one of the lessons that we learned this weekend is how using some alternative kinds of tools like music and acting that, you know, these are not new things. These are not new ideas. People use, you know, dramatic expressions in a kind of therapeutic context all the time, but to to actually be doing it ourselves and be creating the venue for it ourselves was so liberating and fun and so powerful. Again, the message of moving through from the ego dominating us to be able to uh, liberate ourselves by being guided was a much more powerful lesson for your group that is afraid of criticism than any lecture or, you know, one-to-one talk therapy might have been. 
Right, although there was also a very powerful and common thing that our group does, which is to find the origin in our family around our behaviors. And each one of us did find that. And, um, you know, it was so moving to me to realize that I had been criticized so much by my brothers who were jealous of me. I mean, I had a very different life than they had, even though we were one family, right? And so I had a compassion and then I had understanding for myself and why criticism is so hard for me to, and why I prepare so much to fend off criticism and to let go and say, hey, criticism will be in life, you know, it will happen. I might as well roll with that, you know, <laughs> and, and look at creative ways of, of being with it. Just, just mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah, I'm glad enough. you brought that in because, of course, you know, doing the dramatic kind of therapeutic experience doesn't take the place of talking and exploring, but it's certainly a great adjunctive uh, tool. Yeah. Thanks for the so, call today, the, well, the, the radio thank, show. It's really good. Yeah. And thank you for sharing your experience. It was so fun watching what you guys came up with and so powerful for all of us. Thanks again. Thanks, Bye. Love. Oh, Bye. <laughs> Love you too. We've got Anne on from California on hold. Hello, Anne. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for uh, having me on. Um, I can see why I uh, follow Rose because my creative pursuit the first day, you know, we were supposed to do something that we didn't necessarily feel confident in. And I'm a really afraid of criticism also. And um, But I was in a group of one. I was on my own and... I was, I'm uh, definitely afraid of doing visual art, like anything with painting, colored pencils, marker, anything like that, uh, drawing of any kind, um, I avoid it, and, um, you know, but, so, and it was all, and I also avoid doing things by myself, so it was really perfect that I did this on my own, and um, the conversation we had beforehand really, really supported me to be in the right place mentally because, um, you know, Beth, the leader, was saying that, you know, just before we even pick up the pen or before we do anything, we just have like a thousand things that come to our mind about um, judgments, you know, about ourselves and things from the past. And, you know, she really encouraged um, us to just like, or with this pursuit, just to for me to like take the bag of pens or pencils and just feel that my own inner guidance um, and self-expression coming through me and just, you know, being able to work with that energy and not be in my mind about it. Um, and it was so liberating. I had such a fun time, you know, coming from that place. I just sat by the river and, you know, the physical um, location where we have the retreats is, is really supportive, you know, to being creative and, you know, opening our minds and hearts. So I just kind of sat by the river there and, you know, I really enjoyed that that journey, and it was like the first time I've ever, you know, enjoyed anything like that. So, I really pre I I loved the experience. And will you share with everyone some of the feedback that you that you received about your um, your art? <laughs> oh right, yeah. So then we had to share. We shared what we created, and. Um, I yeah I was able to to uh, get even more support because well when I was drawing it 
I thought, oh, I can just do this for me. No one has to see it, you know, and that's a cool thing, too. Wow, I can just do this in my life, and I don't have to show it to anyone. So then when I realized we had to show it, all those thoughts came back. So when I went up the first time, I qualified it a lot. Like, even though I was really excited about what I had created, I had a lot of judgment about it, um, and I wanted to... I think preempt the criticism or something by saying, Oh, I know this isn't good. And I know this probably looks like a little, a little kid would do. And I don't know if it was the right thing. And, you know, <laughs> I said all of these things, um, that really just kind of like dragged my, it, it dragged me down, you know, even by saying all that. And since then I, I, I realized that that's something that I do. Um, so Beth said after I was done, she, you know, noticed how much creative energy was in the, what I had created, and she said, wow, you know, I want you to talk about it again um, without qualifying it, you know. Don't say any of that negative stuff. Just talk about how much you love what you made and what it is. And, uh, and I really thought about it because she had said earlier, I think earlier before we did the project, she was saying about how, you know, when we're young, you know, little kids are just, like, totally excited about everything they create. <laughs> you know, they don't say, like, I'm not good at this or anything. You know, when they show you their, their picture, they're just like, look, I made this and I made that. And, um, so I did it from that place, and it felt so much better. You know, it, it makes me sad just hearing about your experience. Um, and <clears throat> on a personal level, you know, my mother was an artist, and mm. she kind of trained us in artistic principles, you know, from an early age. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what did that do for me? Absolutely nothing. I mean, it did a lot for me on one hand. I mean, I love art. I love making things. I love appreciating art. But on the other hand, you know, it. I, I think the more we get, quote, unquote, trained in something, the less mm-hmm. creative we are in a way. You know, mm-hmm. because, it, you know, it has to follow these principles of balance and texture and relatedness and relative size mm-hmm. and blah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. and that and then it makes us opinionated about our stuff and other people's stuff. And it's it's a separating experience sometimes. So mm-hmm. I, I, I learned so much, so much from your expression this weekend mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. feeling the joy of it. And mm-hmm. and what you're saying right now, that children have that joy of creating, and if they receive the feedback that, wow, you know, and instead of saying, what's that supposed to be, you know, mm-hmm. the, the instead, you know, you could ask, tell me about that. Tell me about your yeah. piece. Tell me how you <laughs> feel doing it. Tell me what it expresses for you. You know, then we could be encouraging each other, you know, whether it's a story or a or a drawing or whatever, a dance mm-hmm. or a song, yeah. you know, with somebody who can't sing a lick. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we could be encouraging mm-hmm. that in such a different way. Wow. Wow, that's so, so true. Anyway, your, mm-hmm. your creativity project was very, very impactful, and I, I want to leave mm-hmm. you with that. I agree. That, I, I agree. I think it had a great. Thank you. Uh, it was so. Uh, it was fresh. It was fun. <laughs> it was happy. It was, um, you know. And we need more of that in the world. Not not happy mm-hmm. like, you know, Pollyanna happy, but like uh, the real joy. And uh, I think 
uh, Richard said ebullience, you know, <laughs> just that <laughs> real pure joy that that comes out of us when we're just being in our natural kind of authentic being. So. Yeah. There was a moment when someone in the group looked at the picture and she said, I want to be friends with, with the woman who drew that. And <laughs> it was so sweet. And I thought about it and I thought, gosh, you know, how much energy do I put into trying to like project a certain image? Right? Mm-hmm. Like we all do this. Mm-hmm. We project some image. Like that's how we think we have to be in the world. And it was your natural state and your very childlike, playful, creative energy coming out. That started out by you saying, I'm just going to do it because I would enjoy it. You know, there was mm-hmm. no, agen- no agenda to be graded on it or evaluated or compared to anyone. But just because I would enjoy it, mm-hmm. I'm going to pick these colors and draw these pictures. And that's what was mm-hmm. attractive to other people. It's a great mm-hmm. lesson for me. It's a great lesson. Yeah. And you said how much you enjoyed it afterwards. Um, we, we have, have another two, caller. Yeah. Two other callers. You know, first is Irene in San Diego. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you. Yes, thanks, Ann. We've got Irene in San Diego, and then we have Lizzie calling from Oregon. So let's take Irene and uh, hold. just hold a minute, Lizzie. We'll get to you, too. Well, just, um, this is Irene. Just listening to your comment on Ann's picture brought up something for me because I'm in a senior residence, and We have lots of creative programs. In other words, some people write poetry. Some uh, we have a class on poetry, a class on on uh, writing, and uh, people read what they've done, and then we respond to it. But what you just said, Helen, we never ever address, which is tell me how you feel about it, and what does it mean to you. So already you've given me a creative response to what people have written rather than just telling them how they could add to it or what's missing from it or, you know, the things that are usually said. So I'm I'm so so glad. glad. Well, I'm so happy that you did too because it's so fabulous that now the people at your residence anyway are going to have the experience that they never got as a child, they never got all their lives, and until now they've never gotten as a senior citizen. So, you know, it, it's gonna, they're going to start all over again, hopefully, with this new attitude. That's so exciting. Right. The, uh, what redo. I did in the... In the uh, the group, the first group I was in was being creative with relationships, and um, we had the greatest difficulty doing that because we all were not breaking the habit of habit, and our habit was to problem solve. So we sat around talking, and it wasn't until we came back to the group and described what we had done that best broke through and had us really try to respond in a relationship uh, differently. And I remember, uh, you know, uh, just letting myself be a toddler and the way they respond with gleefulness and with crying and with anger. Um, And it would be so much fun to do that. And uh, just being aware of the the value of this that part of the workshop for me was 
in recognizing the habit of habit that I had into going directly to problem solving. And this morning I was at breakfast with uh, three other people who were uh, all complaining about the an old thing going on in the food service. And it was an old complaint that was being rehashed and there was some anger and some um, just dissatisfaction in it, and um, I, what I, I played a game with it that um, Anne and I had played on the trip back, which is fortunately, unfortunately. So you start out. They were they were saying what was so unfortunate about the uh, salad bar. And so I said, I broke in with, well, but fortunately, more people are eating salad. And it just broke the energy of, let's all think of what's wrong. And then I told them about the game, and then we started playing the game. And it so was a creative response to you know, uh, working with a group of people who are in a habit of looking around and seeing what's wrong. That is so fun. So I am definitely going to use that game here at home. <laughs> yeah. That, that is yeah. such a great it's idea. Great idea. Why don't you tell us briefly what you did in the afternoon, and we've, st- we've got another caller now on hold, Christine in San Diego, after Lizzie in Oregon. So... Briefly tell us okay. what you... Well, the, um, I uh, was working with a friend on um, fixing a bench, and we started out, he was cranky because he had been um, arguing with someone and getting into an old negative place, and uh, I was walking with him and got into my habit which is problem solving, and was thinking that I needed to explore his feelings and and solve the problem of how he felt. And in the middle of that, it just occurred to me, because we had been having all these talks about creativity, that the perfect thing to do was to tell him about a problem I had. And so I shared with him a problem I was having with a person and asked him if he would be comfortable in helping me. And, of course, he said yes. And I could see afterward, and and he was very good, and we co-created. You know, I talked about what I was feeling. He made suggestions. We agreed with them. And it, I could, thinking about it afterwards, I could see it broke the habit of focusing on something negative and helped him to focus on something he could do something about. And he felt asked to help rather than be the one who was being helped. And uh, it really shifted the energy, and we had so much fun working together on the problem of uh, fixing the bench and coming up with one creative solution after another. That's so great, Irene. Thank you. I'm really glad that you had some. Um, you had such a great experience, and you even fixed part of the bench, which was awesome too. Thanks, yeah. Irene. 
<laughs> All right. Sounds like we have Lizzie next in Oregon. Hey, Lizzie's calling us from the road in Oregon. Hi. Yes. <laughs> Still traveling back home to San Diego from the retreat. Um, cool. Yeah. So I, I didn't listen to everything earlier, but uh, for me, it was just a lot of fun. Just the energy is so uplifting and healing and relaxing. Um, and just a very energetic experience as far as just feeling like I've, I've been infused with this positive, enlightening energy. Um, so one of the things I also got uh, as far as creativity or breaking the habit of habit, when I get angry, I tend to, or like I have a hard time relating to people, especially if there's anger involved. And I learned how I could bring some humor into the situation um, like an example, you know, if I'm angry with somebody, I can say, okay, I've got steam coming out of my ears right now. And just, you know, I'm being honest, but I can also express, you know, what's going on, but bring some lightheartedness to it. So that really helps me feel, um, more open to, uh, sharing what's going on in the moment, especially when it has to do with anger, um, and that, that feels like just a really big tool for me to have because uh, it really changes how, you know, oftentimes with anger, I just hold it open or, you know, hold it down until I just blow up. Sure. I, I can relate. And Chris, jump in if you like to. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's such a good thing to be able to, um, to make fun of ourselves when we're angry or, you know, play, be yeah. playful about our own state. You know, uh, it's just so freeing. Yes, playful. Yeah. And that was something else that I got, that I, I tend to be too serious. So that's another habit I have. So to bring playfulness, not just in that situation, but just play more. And what was your and group, get, Lizzie? What was the group that you did on, I on was Saturday in, afternoon? I was in Irene's group about relating. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So and so was I. I <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But later on, you played the piano by yourself, and I know you got too much into performing, I think you said, but, but that was playing. Right. Yes, I was going to bring that up, too, as far as how I, um, it, I, it was, no, somebody noticed, or actually Beth noticed how much I was so passionate. It's like I didn't want to stop when it was time for us all to come back together. I wanted to keep playing. And, right, and you, know, my, you my, haven't been playing My bottom was hurting so much from sitting, but I just, I didn't want to get up. <laughs> I wanted to keep playing, so. It, so, it, and that, I, um, that's something that you've sort of cut yourself off from, right, Lizzie? So, something you got back in touch with? Right, yeah, I haven't played in, you know, since I was like 12, so it's as far as really played, so yeah. And it's been something I, I've been wanting to do, because I just. Moved in with my into my girlfriend's house, and she's got a piano. I'm like, yeah, I want to start playing again. So that really lit the fire again. Mm. That is so so exciting. I'm so happy for you, and I think it'll make a world of difference in your attitude about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. give you a place. Give you a place to go where you get out of your to do list. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're you're always on your to do list, right? And this gives you a place to just explore and create. Cool. Yes. Great. What's well, up next, Todd? We've got Christine from San Diego in the same house as me. Actually, she's on the road, but she <laughs> is my on wife. the road. How did you know? 
Hi, everybody. I went to find you, and you were on the way to Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> to do some creative project. No. I am. I am. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Am, am I coming in? Okay, good. I'm going to take away home that has more uh, cellular service. So um, I didn't catch the first part of the show. Is there a question we're answering or just um, are we we're sharing about sharing. our experience yeah. at the retreat? We're sharing about, yeah, our transformational experience. Okay. I mean, there's so many things to talk about. It sounds like I heard Irene talking about, you know, the first thing um, we took on is something that we're not competent at. And me, being my humble self, said, well, you know, I'm pretty competent <laughs> most things. Because I was thinking very much artistically, writing, painting, music, etc. Um, but then someone said handyman, like being a handy person, and I thought, oh, no. Um, so that's something I feel very insecure about and very incompetent at. And um, that same bench that Irene fixed... Uh, uh, you know, it was our opportunity to work on it um, in the morning, Chris and James and I, and it was just a really enjoyable experience because we were doing it together. We realized we could get support. We can always, you know, Google YouTube videos if we needed to, and um, we just kind of gave up the story that we're not handy and really embraced the idea that we can learn, and it's okay to be a beginner and, um, you know, just to start at the beginning. And so it was really, really enjoyable in that way. And, yes, I'm on my um, second trip home from Home Depot (laughs) today. Um, And I have things that come from the hardware section and the the lumber section of Home Depot. So I definitely say that, um, you know, something is broken open there. Um, But one of the things that was really, really useful and valuable was an exercise in which I worked with Chris, to consult her. I work in public relations and she wanted help in um, on her presentation and usually I would have said, okay, pull out the laptop, let's get the PowerPoint, let's get your key message down, I'm going to train you or whatever, you know, um, and run her through like a mini messaging workshop. But um, my assignment was to do it uh, differently, do it creatively. And um, instead what, uh, you know, what we worked with is Chris singing a song, a very, like, warm, open-hearted song, and imagining herself with, uh, with the people that she was going to present to, which was a breakfast of CEOs. So that was so much fun, and I was nervous at first because I didn't know what, what I was going to do. Um, but what that's opened up in me is, um, you know, I have an opportunity at work And I know that if I take it, I want to be able to do it creatively and not traditionally the way it's been done. And what I was thinking about is, like, who says how things are done anyways? Like, somebody had to be the first person to make up what a messaging workshop was. So, you know, why can't I make up new things? Why can't I have people sing songs to get them in a different frame of mind? Um, so that's the freedom that I feel and that I really wanted out of that retreat. It's just the freedom to be, you know, who I am with the ideas that come to me and to, to try and learn and have fun with it. And bringing that to my work, that's pretty, um, that's, that's pretty different for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, 
you've changed so much just in the past year in terms of focusing on your self-care. And I have a report that I was in a meeting yesterday with a, a very big company, a company with over $2.5 billion in revenues. And um, people were kind of tense. We were presenting our program and wanted them to approve it. And I sat there in my head singing and singing and singing that calming song over and over. And I just re- it relaxed me. And in the inner rev, Beth has been teaching us for a long time that if we can start by relaxing, um, I know it's not unique to the inner rev, but if we can start by just relaxing and breathing and allowing ourselves to feel the joy in what we're doing, you know, not take ourselves so seriously and not be focused on the outcome and not try to control and dominate everyone around us, <laughs> but just try to relax and relax and find joy in what we're doing and let our, let life unfold that every experience is different and better. And, and I really was more effective in my business meeting. Oh, and that's um, so great to hear. Yeah. It's, very different than going towards something in the old sales way. So I appreciate that support so much. And I love the idea that what you were sharing, Christine and Chris, both that it, it really brings us back to the central point about creativity is what we are guided to do and that we don't need to tell each other and or ourselves exactly do this and this and this and this. We need to relax and let ourselves be guided instead. Mm-hmm. And that is that is a very creative and you know revolutionary way of living our lives. But it's amazing how it works when you just stop the mind and the chatter and the mental process and just relax and ask, what am I guided to do? And just let something come to you, which is what you were describing, Chris. I'm sure that's what helped you. Not that you don't prepare for meetings. I don't mean that. But I just mean that that in terms of the energy, you just let yourself be guided. And it's amazing what can come. Yes. I need to say goodbye. I have to leave early today. I love everybody, and I really appreciate what we all shared and what we got today. And thank you for the topic, Chris. Sure. Thanks, Helen. Love you. Yeah, thank you. Bye, Helen. Cool. Do you have anything? Yes. I was going to ask if you wanted to share more about your experience. Um. My main experience came the day after when we had our insight. I mean, I, I got a lot out of the retreat itself. You know, I was part of that same group about relationships, and we didn't relate at all. <laughs> what did you do instead of relating? We were, I mean, we oh. did relate, but we weren't really being creative. We were going, we were, you know, figuring out what our problems are and coming up with solutions. I remember we all got on the floor, and I was pretending that oh, I was constipated. Right. <laughs> So we really got, and then Irene was, and I don't know what she was doing. She was doing something that kind of inspired me. But what ended up coming out is, you know, um, I'm, I'm really just at heart a goofy guy, you know, and I've so much of my life tried to be serious, important, you know, uh, I don't know, na- you name it, you know, prove myself. And it, it's been so... It's, it's used up so much of my life to, 
to not be myself, you know, to try and be something that I'm not, that's not really, you know, doesn't suit me. I'm kind of like Mickey Mouse, you know, (laughs) in that playful, happy, you know, just uh, fun way. That's just me, you know, I, I, uh, and um, so that's, that's been the greatest thing to be able to be that way with my kids when we're, you know, they're getting ready to get on the plane and they're being goofy and silly. And I'm just able to go along with it now instead of resisting and fighting them going, you guys need to calm down. You guys need to get it under control. You know, I mean, there are times, but I, even then I don't have to get into a state of like strident, uh, controlling, it just never works, you know, and I've spent so much of my life doing that with my children and with everybody. So I, I just feel much freer. Last night we were cleaning up the garage, and I felt Christine was getting a little bit into her, um, like, manage the whole thing, and I was getting mad. But I even then she said, "Let's look at each other and let's just connect." And normally I'd be like, "Uh," and she said, "You know, you can come a little closer to me." And I'm like, "Okay," because <laughs> I was leaning against the wall, right? Right. right, and I normally would be like, "Ah, leave me alone." <laughs> right. So um, it's just been really delightful to kind of free up my whole life to a new way of being. And I know that sounds kind of trite, or um, but it really has been a, just a completely uh, freed up. Um, and I haven't gone back. You know, I've had opportunities. Like last night, I think I had an opportunity to do my traditional thing. And I don't know if Christine's with us, but still, so she can tell me, or maybe she's still listening. At least she can tell me later if if it felt different. (laughs) Are you here, Christine? I am. It's just body. But yes, he was different. Oh, Oh, good. good. He got a good report. Well, I was thinking about how great it is to have actually a couple sharing with us today to um, talk about the experience. You know, how often do we in relationship feel like, you know, we have to pay attention to the bills and get everything done on time and make sure our children are doing the right activities and reflect well on us and that we're, you know, getting our next promotion at work and moving ahead and for you guys to have that experience of going, well, actually, what we really need is to play more. You know, what a great message. Even be playful in things like cleaning the garage. Totally. Yes, totally. So, Christine, we have two minutes, so we're going to so say goodbye to you. Thank you so much for calling in. Yes, thanks for calling in. So what are we doing next week, Chris? Well, this is a surprise. Next week is a surprise because... Uh, I thought I had a guest lined up, but they're not. I'm not sure if they're going to uh, do it or not. So um, we're we're on the path of not knowing. And um, <laughs> luckily for me, right, I know how to have fun along the way, so I'm not going to pull all my hair out. But um, join us next week, please. I'm sure we'll have something that's informative and will touch your heart, and um, you know, give you a chance to also think about oneness, accountability, and mutual support in a new way. Cool. Well, I look forward to figure, uh, finding out what that is, and I'm sure it'll be great, whatever it is. So, yeah. Thanks so much for uh, including me and co-hosting this show. I had a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see you all soon.
Thank you for joining us for this edition of Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green and James Maynard. The next episode will broadcast live next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And don't forget Inner Revolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Think outside the box and join us.